Cut Podcast. This is our podcast for the week of February 19th, 2023, and we've got the band back together. We've got Dave here. Say hi. That is exciting that we're all back together. We're back Yay, together. Howdy. Marissa's here. Hey, guys. So we're still kind of in the wake of, or we're, by the time we're recording this, we're just a few days away from the ICE event that we had. So just real mm-hmm. quick, do you love being trapped in your house with your kids and no way to get out? <laughs> yes. Dave's a yes. It was fun. My kids, my, my wife decided to pull out my old Lego sets from when I was a child. And so we had some vintage 1980, 1990s um, Mtron and Space Police and all Sweet. kinds of fun stuff. You could probably eBay some of that stuff and get rich. I know, <laughs> but I don't want to. Okay. Yeah, Good piece for you. them out. Yeah. yeah. Marissa, yeah, I love it. You know, we've talked before about how much I love being on an airplane because you're just stuck there and you can't no expectations on you. It's you're fantastic. talking like a true introvert. So um so yeah, I like a I like a good ice storm when we get to keep our heat and our power and And did and you this nice. time? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Good. It was it was a very light ice event. Yes. Just enough where the school buses couldn't roll. Mm, amen. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I was perfect. actually out at the monastery, mm-hmm. so I was stuck out there and I was worried about leaving because that the roads going up to the monastery are very treacherous and curvy and up up and down so there was even a question about whether or not i could leave and i'm like oh i have to stay at the monastery for a couple more days oh it'd be terrible (laughs) please (laughs) but i got to come home at the right time so hey we have a special guest uh today in the studio with us and i'm just gonna ask her to spend a couple of minutes with us uh we have Lindsay. Lohan, who is with us in the studio. Wait, that's not right, is it? Is Lindsay what? Lohan here? Sure. I thought that would at least get a chuckle from somebody. No, just You got, you just got chuckles sad, from us. Sad, quiet. Her name was cool enough without having to <laughs> She's already the bionic woman. So. She, she already is. We have Lindsay Wagner here with us today, who is our uh, director of volunteer services around First Baptist. And the message for the week that we're talking about, February 19th, is on service, and we're going to unpack that here in just a minute. So I thought it would be a great idea for Lindsay to come in and plug a couple of things. First of all, Lindsay, as volunteer coordinator, volunteer director, you have a cardinal verse that you use. Okay, what what is that verse? It is Mark 10, 45, and it says, For the Son of Man came to serve and not to be served, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Okay, so why did you choose that verse as kind of the the flagship verse for our volunteer services? Because Jesus gave us a beautiful model of what it looks like to live a life of service and to be present with others and to use the gifts that God had given him to meet the needs of others where they were. So if you don't know Lindsay, if you know her, you know of this, she's like the nicest person, <laughs> okay? And that, that's that's coming across in her voice, and she's a great person to help coordinate volunteer services, not only for everything in the church, but also out in the community. So we have a special day coming up in a few weeks. I don't even think it's been announced yet. Uh, we're beginning to, to plan it out and get it all, all the details together. So our podcast listeners get the, the 
um, the behind the scenes look at this thing. The, this is the like premiere. The this is yeah. the premiere. So <laughs> tell us about the special event that's coming up. So on March 26th, we March. Will... That's like I know. It's forever away. <laughs> it's, like, it's huge. Sorry, Lindsay. I'll stop interrupting. It is okay. So on March 26th, we will be having a brand new event that we're calling Serve Somewhere, and this event is designed to highlight all of the areas that you can serve within First Baptist Tulsa, including missions, including special events such as camp. So it will be held in the Fellowship Hall from 9.15 until 10.15. And we encourage everyone to stop by and look at all of the places that you can serve at First Baptist. And we're highly encouraging everyone to serve somewhere. So um, kind of the statistic that's been used for years is in a church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Yes. Is, that, is that true of our church or not? I would say that our church um, skews that a little bit. So we have a little higher percentage of people volunteering in our church um, than 20%. What would, so, you say, what would you say that is? I and I, I know you know the number. <laughs> <laughs> we're probably with, with people who actively attend First Baptist and we have active volunteers I would say that we are at about 36%. About 36%. (laughs) (laughs) So so here's the deal. If you flip that around, that means we have a ton of people that aren't using their gifts, maybe because they don't know what the gifts are, their Mm -hmm. gifts are, or where to use them. So this is a great opportunity to look closely at that and say, how does the Lord want to use me within the body of Christ? Anything else you want people to know about you, that event, or, or anything else, Lindsay? Well, I'm excited about this event, and um, and I think that this just gives every opportunity for you to be able to explore, um, you know, places that we have to serve that maybe you didn't know about before, but also I will be there that morning, and um, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, I do have resources for that in my office, and so I'd be happy to walk through and, and help you discover what those are as well. Thanks, Lindsay. I really appreciate you being here this morning. Yes, of course. Thanks yeah. for having me. All right, so let's jump into the passage because that we really did kind of jump the gun, and that's some of the application coming out of this message of we need to be serving. And mm-hmm. so what is going to happen in our passage this morning, and we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through, um, let me see, 34. Um, I chose this passage. When I chose this several months ago, I'm not saying I chose it at random, but I just decided to take just a, a large swath of Jesus' day. So it's kind of like a day in the life of, you know. Let's look at how Jesus lived his life through the lens of service and then if he is our model, then we should be doing the same thing. So what we'll be looking for and looking at today are what are some, again, what is the Holy Spirit saying to our church? I think he's saying, serve somewhere. <laughs> I mean, get off your hands, start, start using your gifts for the Lord. So let's look at Jesus. Let's look at some of the characteristics of his service to better inform our own service. So Marissa, would you read, um, let's go ahead and just read part of this. So this will be Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 26. So read that for us. Okay. And uh, then we'll reflect on it. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. 
and the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread through all that region. So Jesus is walking down the road and he's going about his business. He's teaching. And uh, first thing I want to sit on here for just a moment, we'll explore this on Sunday morning. Uh, both of these things that happen are interruptions. They were unplanned. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't say, okay, I have an appointment with the synagogue leader and oh, by the way, I'm going to heal a woman on the way. That's on my schedule. This, these were unplanned. And I think that's one of the characteristics of service that we need to have ears to hear and eyes to see that often the greatest opportunities to serve come in the form of interruptions. What do you guys think about that? Have you experienced that in your own ministries? Um, where else do we see that in the Gospels? Uh, let's talk about just the opportunities that come to us unplanned. I think that happens all of the time. Uh, I think Jesus intends to interrupt our, our days and our weeks. John Wimber, the, the founder of the Vineyard Movement years ago, used to say uh, that, that just as Jesus said in John 5, 19, we can only do what we see the Father doing. We're called to ask continually, God, help me to see what, where you're at work in, in our lives around us and help me to join you in that work. And, and part of that is being intentional, being present in every moment. So if you're at a grocery store and somebody shares, hey, I've, I'm struggling with this thing. I remember a few years ago, I was at Sprouts checking out and the, the checker said, yeah, I'm just really not feeling well. And I was randomly asked, okay, well, tell me a little bit more about that. And the next thing I knew, she just spilled her guts. She opened up her heart and shared what's going on. So I had an opportunity to pray for her, invite her to church. She wasn't connected to a church. And she came to the church that I was a part of. It was a, a total God moment where, where she needed to be touched by God. And God used me in that moment. And God wants to do that with every one of us. I think so too. And, and part of a personal discipline is, and I'm... I'm I learn this, and then I forget it, and I have to relearn it. Um, as I plan my days, I need to leave plenty of margin. And, you know, Marissa, you and I were talking yesterday. You know, you said this week your schedule's just packed tight. Mm -hmm. That's terrible, Marissa. You I know, it's feel the worst. Guilty. I do. You know? no, I, I feel do. a lot of things. I, <laughs> Guilt is one of them. <laughs> I mean, I do, I do that all the time, and my schedule's so packed that I end up listening to my schedule and not listening to the Spirit. So, so to leave margin, in my, and again, it's easier to see it in other people, and they need to correct it than correct it in my own life. But in days, just leave lots of margin. Okay, God, if you want to interrupt me, my time is yours. But even when I don't leave margin and I have a tightly packed schedule, when I sense those moments that the Spirit is, is at work in somebody's life, am I going to answer to my schedule or am I going to be responsive to the mm -hmm. Spirit? So, Marissa, what do you think? I always want to plug uh, Kusuke uh, Koyama's book, Three Mile an Hour God, um, to be That's a good book. It's so good. And um, just to remind us, especially in our Western culture where speed and productivity and busyness seems to be a virtue, um, to slow down and walk at the speed of Jesus. He was, he was walking at three miles an hour, and that, that is the speed of love. That's the speed of God. And so if we're busier than that, if we're, we're moving faster than that, we can't see each other. Um, we don't see each other's needs or, or have the ability to listen um, that Jesus walked amongst us, and we need to be doing that for each other. You know, the other but side— But he did walk. He, he did walk. He walked. That's, that's not the same as being lazy. 
Brad, you're here today. He appeared out of nowhere. That, that like, is wonderful. He yeah. was steady. He walked. He was deliberate. Right, yeah. It wasn't that he just sat around and did nothing. Yeah, that's right. He was ready to serve. He yeah. walked. Mm-hmm. Another uh, side note, I just love it when Brad chimes in, but we're going to, so the fun we have behind the scenes is we try to throw Brad a curveball question every <laughs> session. Because <laughs> he loves hard. it so it much. It's not hard. <laughs> Um, so, so the fact that he spoke up just kind of, it, it, I just had a religious experience here, Brad. Thank you. Uh, the other benefit of that book was he, he talks about, um, following Christ in terms of coming out of, of Japan after World War II and how emperor worship had all but destroyed his nation. And it's a little bit dated to read that, but I think he has some great things to say about how we worship our politicians. Mm. They are not our saviors. And I think Christians today really need to remember that too. Mm. Okay, so so what else do you see in Jesus as far as serving? You know, leaving room for those interruptions, walking at the pace of Jesus, not just sitting, but walking and and letting ourselves be interrupted by what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. What else do we see here? Well, this passage that you chose in particular just kind of shows you how overwhelming it could all be. Um, it's just one thing after another. You, like you said, it was. Um, interruptions on what he had planned for his day. Um, And it just seems to be one need after another, after another, after another. And we're not going as far as verse 36, but that's one of my favorite verses, that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them um, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that is a mirror of Ecclesiastes 4.1, which says, you know, King Solomon's looking out at all of the oppressed, all the brokenness, all the sadness that's taking place under the sun. Nothing ever seems to change. Nothing uh, ever seems to be relieved. And he said, I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. So unlike Solomon, who saw this oppression and just declared it all like too sad to consider. Why even, why even try it all? Uh, that Jesus saw it and saw the despair and the brokenness and, you know, tucked his cloak into his belt and got to work. And that he wasn't overwhelmed by it. And it's funny, too, that it was Solomon who was saying this when he was, you know, would gloat about how oppressive he was. You yeah. know, he was probably causing a lot of that pain. So just to, to think about, um, are we moving more like Solomon than we are like Christ? That's a good reflection. Um, is, it's, it's, are we thinking it's better to never be born at all rather than to face the pain of living? Or are we saying that life is sacred, that human life is worth fighting for, worth living and worth dying for? And to contrast Solomon and Jesus in another way to say, you know, Solomon was in charge and Jesus decided to serve. Right, yeah. You know. Dave, what are you thinking? I wanted to go there as well. So Marissa, I love that you went, you fast forwarded beyond the passage. No, I we can't do verse that. Verse 36 is like the whole, it's like the it's anchor. the, yeah. It is the anchor <laughs> for the yeah. whole thing. Okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I've not finished writing the message yet. At it. Do <laughs> it. Cave to peer pressure. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so I, when I'm looking at this passage, I mean, that that holds everything together because Jesus sees, and, and typically in the New Testament, when you see that word, orao, when you see the word see, it, it's tied to compassion, that our response, when we see something, we observe something that isn't quite right, we should be moved with compassion, and we should allow our compassion to guide us and steer us and direct us, because that's ultimately the Holy Spirit speaking to us and guiding us and directing us. And so you see, like in John chapter 5, when Jesus encounters the man at the pool of Bethsaida, 
he has compassion on him, and that's what leads him to, to healing the guy. When um, Peter and John go into the, the temple in Acts chapter 3, and they see the, the lame man that's, that's by this gate that, that just can't get up and can't do anything, and he's just asking for money. They see him, and they respond accordingly. They heal the guy so that he can get up. They, they act out of compassion. God wants us to use our eyes to see and then be steered by compassion. So there's something to that. So, so a little bit of a personal reflection here, because, um, and, and this is for all those of you who are listening who are often surrounded by people. So I remember when I was in seminary, Calvin Miller was my mentor. Whenever he would speak in chapel, I mean, he'd step off the platform and students would just swarm around him. I mean, he popular, and I, and I remember looking at that from the outside going, I can't wait to be that guy one day. <laughs> be careful what you ask for. <laughs> so that happens on Sunday, you know, and I'm, I'm in the corridor intentionally, and there's a swarm of people typically, and sometimes people queue up to talk uh, to, talk to me. Uh, by the way, that's not an egotistical thing because as an introvert, that's a very challenging thing. But what I've what I've had to learn to do is in a crowd of people to see individuals. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about what Jesus does here, this woman who touches him more out of superstition than anything else. No reason he should have noticed her. And, and so I kind of like to play this game, too, of when I am surrounded by people to say, Holy Spirit, who do you want me to notice? And I, I say that for all leaders around there who are often surrounded by people and by the way, the Holy Spirit usually has me notice a little kid. Kids are great, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they are. Yeah. And so maybe to notice somebody else who no one else notices. So I want to be conscious of time on this podcast. Let's move to the next passage. Dave, would you read uh, verse 27? Let's go all the way to verse 34. Don't go beyond the, the bounds of this passage. <laughs> we already did. It's okay. We'll, yeah, we'll do it. So now we're good. We're, because we're... this is still kind of a, a day in the life of. I mean, Jesus' day was not over with. There, there's more to come. So I guess we should be thinking, I'm thinking when you say day in the life of, I'm thinking of MTV cameras on set following Jesus yes. closely. <laughs> it's kind of an uh, interesting image. So let's go to the text. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him. He asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, it will be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. When the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is only by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. So there's several things that I'll point out in the course of the message about this. And again, this is just kind of a loose confederation of, of images and events that happened in the life of Jesus. Uh, but I'm compelled by the word mercy. Hmm. Of all the things that the blind man could have asked for, it was mercy. And in one commentary I was reading, it says, Mercy is uh, practical assistance, giving practical assistance. And I think in light of service, we need to think about this of, you know, we just don't give people our thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, you know, that, that becomes a tagline pretty soon. It's, what can I do practically to assist somebody? What I also want to reflect on here, and I'm going to turn it over to you guys to bounce this around, but Jesus was able to distinguish physical needs 
from spiritual needs. Here we see him you know, healing two blind men. There's nothing mentioned about their spiritual condition. But here's another man who's mute, and obviously it's physical, but Jesus saw the spiritual component there. And I think it's important that we provide practical needs, but we're also aware that many times the people we're dealing with, there are deeper spiritual issues afoot. And we need to be aware of those as well, whether it's depression or oppression or possession, which we don't often talk about in Baptist circles. But there are spiritual issues afoot here as well. So this is Jesus serving. Okay, so y'all reflect on this a little bit more with me. Not all at once. <laughs> Take your time. Go for it, Marissa. Okay. Well, yeah, the, just the, the richness of the request for mercy. Um, the first two people that we are presented with, um, you know, the, the synagogue leader and the woman um, with the condition of bleeding, they had a very quiet way of requesting um, assistance from Jesus. They had a quiet way of showing their faith, but it was no less strong than that of the very vocal oh, request good. of the blind men. Um, so it just I love all the 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 balance of the different personalities and different ways that people reached out to Jesus, and the different ways that Jesus saw them. Um, I I in the I'm writing, writing the pastor's cut this week, so I'm I'm quieting my spirit, not mm. talking about the woman um, as much, but know that it's coming in the pastor's cut. Okay. So, so look for that there, but um, that he really really saw her. Um, and took notice of her, and the same for the blind men. Um, in this society, um, it was a uh, more of an act of mercy to give um, to someone in need for your own self. It was it was a way for you to show your own righteousness. So, if someone was begging for alms, if they were begging for charity outside the synagogue, they would see it more as an opportunity to let you worship through giving to them. It wasn't, um, uh, uh, it's hard to describe, but it's not so much as like, please do this for me, but let me help you right. worship God, which I love that, that cultural It's uh, theologically sound, right? Yeah. Mm. But these um, men who were used to loudly proclaiming their needs to other people didn't um, put priority on their physical needs. Um, but that need for mercy that it's like, this is something that this man can give that no one else can give to us. Um, and that they didn't, they recognized that Jesus wasn't in need of that mitzvah. He wasn't in need of that righteousness, that he had righteousness to give to them. Um, I like that. <laughs> I do too. And, and to, and again, to contrast the, the loudness of the two calling for mercy and the person who couldn't even speak for themselves and right. they were brought to Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like that. I like that play. Mm -hmm. That, that mm -hmm. contrast there. I, I just I love the the spiritual discipline component of this. That there's both of these men who were blind were calling out. They were recognizing we don't deserve this, mm -hmm. but we need mercy from you. And so please give us mercy. There's there's that sense that if you follow this, if you put this to your life, I remember sitting in a spiritual formation class in seminary and and being challenged, just pray this. And I was thinking, dude, I'm in seminary, I don't need this, but then really just practicing it, saying over and over again, God, son of David, have mercy on me. Yeah. God, son of David, have mercy on me. The more I prayed it, the more I felt like God was transforming my heart, putting me in a different position to realize, no, we all are in desperate need of the Savior. Only the Savior can really touch us and transform us from the inside out. It doesn't matter where we're at in our journey. There is something about putting this into practice in your own life and just praying that over and over again inside of your own soul 
that helps make you right with God in a whole new and fresh way. Oh, the Jesus prayer. I do love the Jesus right. prayer. And just knowing you don't have a right to it, that yes. there's no way to earn it. There's no amount of faith that we have that will merit um, that blessing, but that it was, it's just given freely. Yes. Yeah. So to wrap things up, because this has been a little bit of a longer podcast, um, there's a footnote at the end. I know y'all want to go to verse 36, but we're going to stop at verse 34, dead gummit. <laughs> He's, he's just from stubbornness. He's pulling the car off the freeway sooner oh, yeah, than we want to. Yeah. Next okay. week we'll have a sermon on oppositional defiance disorder. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it. that's it. That's me. Um, and I think it is worth, as, as community group leaders, feel free to dip your toe into verse 35, 36, 37, 38. The reason I stopped at verse 34, as Pharisee said, it's by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Mm-hmm. You know, here's the choice we face. Are you going to live a life of complaining or are you going to live a life of actually doing something? And I've noticed that those who complain the loudest usually are not contributing a whole lot. And I guess that, okay, that's my wordplay. Are you going to complain or are you going to contribute? And certainly if you contribute, if you serve, there are going to be others who are critical about what you do, but, but whatever. Ultimately, we live our lives before the face of God. It, it means that we're going to get our hands dirty. We're going to make mistakes. But I sure would rather stand before God and say, I tried a whole lot of things for you that didn't work rather than saying, I didn't try anything for you (laughs) because I was afraid it wouldn't work. Um, Yeah, so I I love that footnote of complaining there, and it kind of gives us the choice. How do you want to live? Right. How do you Mm want to live? Can can I give one example? Do it. Oftentimes when we've worked with compassion centers, um, and I've heard this complaint from a couple of folks, you know, why are we building compassion centers for kids, you know, halfway around the world when we're not serving our own kids at home? First of all, I'd say we are serving our own kids at home. We're doing Trav's Coats for Kids. We're doing a lot of things through our caring centers. Um, And the two are not mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. You can serve Mm -hmm. kids here and kids afar. But then if I turn that around and say, what are you doing for kids right here at home? I'm usually met by a blank stare. (laughs) Again, it's so much easier to complain and criticize than it is to actually get your hands dirty and contribute. Did I say that? pastorally enough yes okay i if i were in community groups i might even take that a step further and say we as individuals typically in in our church our our church first baptist tulsa is a little more affluent um we like to give to a lot of causes and and i know the community group that i attend in particular is very generous with with a lot of issues that we see coming up from time to time we often give financially. How much do we actually step into the worlds? Like Jesus yep. was stepping into what was happening. And maybe have a conversation about that. Ask what would it look like to not just give financially, but actually enter into the mess where people are. Yeah, and you see that here in this passage. Jesus wasn't afraid to step into the mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think of a I think of Jesus as Gandalf facing the Balrog, <laughs> his arms are outstretched. You know, there's this constant tide of of brokenness. And are we going to be like Solomon? Are we going to be like the Pharisees and just be like, I, what can we do? What can we do? Yeah. Or are you going to stand there and stem the tide and say, you shall not pass? You know, that, that's what Jesus was doing. There was this steamroller of need. And instead of backing away from it, he stood his ground. Salt and light. Salt and light is what we're called to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good you, know, stuff. you know what he didn't do? It's Brad again, out of nowhere. Welcome. <laughs> Actually, I'm out of somewhere. I'm just next to the next room. Okay. Um, you know what he didn't do is when someone asked for help or he saw a need, he didn't say, yeah, I gave to that. Hmm. No. 
There you go. Yeah, I, I put some money in the kitty. We're all good. I gave it the office. Yeah. No, he didn't do that. He's, yeah. He took care of business. And yes. so uh, he was active in his service. That On that note, that's the profound note we're going to end on. It's not what you say with your mouth. It's what you do with your hands that shows where your priorities really rest. Mm. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May God grant you peace now and forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.